research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Sir, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power by our federal government in Washington, D.C. Seated by my side, as always, is Eric Eggers, who's an author and vice president here at the Government Accountability Institute. So, Eric, I was very pleased that last week you compared reading my books to eating at a five-star Michelin restaurant, which I can honestly say, I don't know if you've ever said anything more accurate in your life. I get that. I could see why you'd say that. <laughs> but it got me thinking. We're traveling and we've dined in some pretty amazing places together. We've been to Europe, West Coast, East Coast. Uh, and I'm wondering if you have a favorite place that you eat, the best meal that you've had. Well, I have to say the best meal I've had has probably not been with you because your incredibly limited waspy palate. <laughs> true. <laughs> this is true. Keeps us from going to some cool places. Like, hey, w why would we go to a nice Lebanese place at the Cannes Film Festival? We can go to McDonald's. American you know? food. Welcome American to traveling food. with Peter Schweitzer. No. Um, but yeah, I don't know that I have a favorite place to eat so much as I have sort of a favorite type of food okay. that I like to eat. And, uh, and this doesn't surprise anybody that knows me. My favorite type of food is free. Free food. <laughs> <laughs> and I really am quite shameless about it. Like as, as much as I like to pretend to be a connoisseur of the finer things of life, you know, I'll also stand there for five minutes and wait for them to bring out like half of a hot dog as a sample at Costco. Right. Right. Like that. That's how committed I am to getting free food. So free food has kind of gone mainstream, right? Well, right. I, I mean, I was pretty good at getting free food, I feel like for a while. But then um, now, yeah, I think like everybody's sort of into free food in the pandemic era. Right. Everyone's like everything's free all the time. They're free food during the summertime, okay. free food at schools. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, you know, there's um, even pretend food. There's a report out of Minnesota about pretend food, pretend food. Yeah. Well, it's a big deal, right? I think yeah. this is, this is not just a, it's a story about pretend food, uh, but the claims and threats are very real. And I think it's actually the largest pretend food story in American <laughs> history. No, it's uh, not everybody knows about this. This came out last week, but I haven't seen it in the news anywhere. And I think it's a really good story it's amazing for story. us because it lines up with two things we've spent a lot of time talking about and researching here at the Government Accountability Institute, both the EBT program. Uh, and, which is food stamps. Which is food stamps. That's right. Thank you. And also kind of summer food programs like school lunch and, and yeah. the need to feed children and people yeah. during the summertime. And I have to tell you, I mean, I have many children and I have no children that took advantage of the free food during the summertime became an activity. And so, you know, there's definitely a place for that. And obviously the economy had a significant downturn, but in Minnesota, um, they did things a little bit differently. <laughs> yeah, this, this is truly stunning. Uh, there is a charity called Feeding Our Future, right? It sounds wonderful. They opened, and I'm going to put this in quotation marks, they opened four, uh, sorry, 200 food sites, uh, and they literally ran $250 million of government food programs intended to feeding the poor, and they basically made up 125 million 
meals that they claimed to give to children that they never actually did. Well, and the worst part about it is like, so it's one thing to claim you fed 125 <laughs> million people. And get paid for it. That you the, didn't, for it. the second thing is that the government paid them yes. to, to for pretending <laughs> to feed 125 million people. And so the federal prosecutors have now come out. They've charged 48 people. It's actually now up to 49 people uh, for embezzling more than, listen to this, $250 million from government programs. That's a quarter of a billion dollars in Minnesota, all through COVID pandemic fraud. There's a couple of different programs that they did it through. Yeah. But the details of this are pretty stunning. And this is what happens when, I mean, you, we talk about all the time, like big government, big business being business partners mm-hmm. and you know, never let um, a tragedy go to waste, right? Or a crisis go to waste. Yeah. But this is what happens when you sort of like blindly just decide in the name of a pandemic, we're just going to make, we're just going to do everything that we think makes sense. Yeah. And right? so let's, let's talk about feeding our future. Amy Bach, who is the founder of it. We're going to talk about Amy in a little bit. Uh, feeding the future received $3.4 million in food aid money in 2019. Okay. That's relatively small. They got 43 million in 2020. Which think about that. So 2019, it existed pre pandemic. So, Hey, it's a legitimate thing. We're feeding, right people and this is something that's been connected in the Somali community there's a lot of right. cultural residents there a lot of uh, refugees that have taken root in in Minnesota specifically and so this is something that's been kind of targeted towards that community yeah legitimate thing seemingly in 2019 yeah you you you, you want to be using that word a lot apparently because you're you're setting up for what's really going to happen here but they go from 3.4 million in 2019 to 43 million in 2020 so they increase more than tenfold in 2021 they received a hundred <laughs> And 98 million. They went from 3.4 million. Two years later, they're getting 198 million dollars uh, and 125 million meals that they claim to have served to poor and needy children was completely made up. Uh, I must say, Amy Bach, the head of this organization, argues that the charges are false and it's due to discrimination because she says feeding our future mainly feeds immigrants and people of color. So this is a race thing. By the way, I looked at Amy Bach online. Mm -hmm. She's about the whitest person you could ever imagine. So I don't know how she thinks she's being targeted. Yeah, she doesn't sound Somali. Uh, No, but she has (laughs) definitely made a career, this this woman. And here's what's crazy. So the FBI um, and, you know, they just announced charges last week, but they raided her home back in January. So this has been an ongoing thing. And while she's claiming it might be due to racism, is actually a member of the Somali community who I think grabbed some of the initial evidence that led them to, to raid her home. Good for them. So this Somali activist and blogger shot video of one of uh, Amy Bach's employees, right? So somebody that works for this feeding program. Right. Okay. Right. It was at her wedding. And she was receiving an, a wedding present, which was an ornamental cart laden with so much gold that guests <laughs> gathered around to see it up close. So think about that. She's <laughs> running a feeding nonprofit. This woman that works for a feeding nonprofit in Minnesota for immigrants then receives a wedding present of a cart laden with gold. And like the video is what led to like, wait a minute. What? At least it wasn't a golden calf, right? So they're like, hey, so how did this lady get 
a golden cart as a wedding present. Let's, how much money is feeding our future get? Okay, yeah. well, in 2019, they got 3.4 million. How much did they get in 2021? Yeah. Oh, 198 million. Yeah. So it's insane, right? And the roots of it are connected to, I mean, there's Somali stuff, but it gets so ridiculous and it's got all the typical trappings of welfare fraud. Yeah. But there's this one, I mean, just to show you how ridiculous it was and like what the incentive structures were, there was this one guy who's another Somali kind of media company. His name's uh, Deke Derejo, and he was actually just arrested. The old casual, he thought I was going to catch that quick flight out to Turkey and uh, got arrested. <laughs> Vacation at the, in Turkey. Right? Got arrested at the airport <laughs> on his way out. Uh, so that was a tough one for him. But he uh, runs this media company called uh, Jogmal Media Group. And it was registered at with the Minnesota Department of Education. So like all this food money c- yeah. comes through these different state bureaucracies, right? Yeah. So this Somali media group was registered through the Department of Education in Minnesota as a food site. Wait, 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 wait. A media company? Mm-hmm. is a food distribution company starting in December of 2020 and it ran through 2021 and he he was able to register because feeding our future right the group yep. run by this Amy Bach lady uh, was like the sponsor Okay. Now he's the cousin of somebody that used to work for this uh, group and he's now charged, his cousin's charged with taking more than 3 million in kickbacks from food sites, which I think, so basically feeding our future, this legitimate thing signs up all these illegitimate people. They're like, no, we were right. just going to give you the money. You claim the meals. We don't care. And so this media company claimed to be feeding a thousand children a day, seven days a week. And by April, 2021, he claimed to be feeding 1500 kids a day and he's a media company it's a, runs a it's a media, it doesn't even have a dang food place <laughs> and so here's what's crazy right uh so then but he'd been doing stuff like for community and pr purposes and so he actually filmed a big celebration for feeding our future in June of 2021, and the, the celebration that they had for this Lauren ba- or this Amy Bach Feeding Our Future group came the week after a judge found the Minnesota Department of Education in contempt of court for not processing food site applications fast enough. <laughs> so think about that. So that so all these scammy groups start filing applications to feed um, kids, like or like pretend to feed kids. The Minnesota Department of Education, whose job it is to try to ensure some level of integrity and accuracy in the program, says, "Ah, we're not sure." And then, but what happens because it's pandemic, because you, know, you got these cultural groups, it's the same thing Amy Box trying to claim now, right? Hell, it's yeah. racist. You're trying yeah. to sleep out there. Yeah. Dude, we've got poor immigrant kids that need to be fed. What's right. up, white bureaucrats? Let's, right. let's accelerate this thing a little bit. We're going to sue you. State, a court agrees with them. And then $250 million later, you know, well, here comes the receipts. So here's the thing. The, the Talking about receipts, the authorities uh, have identified where they believe some of this $250 million ended up. A lot, Obviously, a lot of it has not been accounted for. But uh, there's one of the gentlemen involved. I'm going to mispronounce his name. Abdul Qadar Nur Salah. You did well. That's a good try. <laughs> He allegedly co-purchased a $2.7 million mansion on Park Avenue in Minneapolis using food aid. Uh, He also paid Bach a $310,000 kickback using federal funds. Again, this is according to U.S. authorities. Uh, There were uh, a variety of items that have been confiscated, including a nice Dodge Ram truck. Um, There are eight pieces of property, seven cars, bank accounts holding millions of dollars, 
miscellaneous electronic devices and accessories, and of course, a Louis Vuitton duffel bag. So they they certainly uh, were spreading the money around, not in the places where they intended it to be. My favorite part of that is when you listed all the stuff they bought with money that was allegedly used to feed Somali kids. You didn't just say a Dodge truck; you said a nice Dodge truck. <laughs> like, have you like? Does it have leather interior? Does it got one of the screens in the back? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> really selling it, Pete. <laughs> right. It's in the Somali national colors, right? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it, it's it's remarkable that this happens and it doesn't get reported. I bet most people listening to this podcast have not heard of this story, but it's a huge amount of money. Uh, it's in a specific area, and this is not an isolated situation. We've been reporting on this over the years, numerous problems in places like Los Angeles and elsewhere, because nobody's really holding to account where this money's going. No, that's absolutely right. And I think that's the, the kind of the bigger picture thing is this just underscores and highlights what happens when, uh, you know, there's always this tension between, look, we want to take care of people. But then, so there's access versus integrity. I think it's true in elections and it's true when it comes to handing out government benefits. Like, look, we are, you know, recording this today in the state of Florida as a massive hurricane gets ready to approach. And so this is historically a problem anytime. I mean, it was a pandemic for the last two years. But before that, anytime you have a natural disaster shows up, you've got the government, their one response is to just throw money at the problem, right? And so- It's been the case in Florida before when anybody that was on welfare or food stamps ahead of a hurricane, they would just say, hey, look, we're going to be giving out extra benefits because we know it's getting ready to be a problem. Right. And so, you know, you can't check in real time to see is this person eligible. People just kind of show up and you hand them out. And so the system, this is what happens when you've got old systems. Technology is not great, kind of old and inaccurate roles, those types of things. But I think you're putting I think you're you're being very favorable here. Uh, to the government in the sense, and I, and I agree with you, there are people that want to fix these problems and deal with them and they have the don't have the technological capability in real time. But I do also think there's this huge problem with government bureaucrats. They want people dependent on the system. They like the power that comes with throwing around money. So in the case of this uh, situation in Minneapolis, uh, certainly you've just got outright fraud yep. that is occurring. And there are numerous examples that we've cited over the course of our research in the decade. You have the additional problem, though, of the assistance programs that have been launched and created. We reported on this back in 2018 uh, of how they really don't want people to get off these programs. So, you know, an example, of course, was the SNAP uh, uh, program, which is a supplemental nutrition assistance program that's designed to it's a food stamp program designed to feed kids and and and, and families. Um, and we cited that in 2008, we had an economic recession. Right. Remember, uh, uh, the Obama administration, there was a huge rise in SNAP benefits, some 45% larger uh, than it was before the recession. And then the good economy came. Um, unemployment dropped down to 3.9%. But the number of people on food stamps has not changed. Well, I mean, in in fact, other words, the economy is now better, no longer a recession, low unemployment. We've got the same number of people on public assistance. Why is that? Right. And it was true in 2018. And what do you think has happened since 2018 to 2022? As with the, the economy, pandemic? With money. the pandemic, they, you know, they've opened this up. And so this is, you know, we, they have 
the incentive structures are all wrong, right? There's multiple things happening. There's incentive to sign up more people for the program if, for, for whatever yeah. motivation the government system have. The Obama administration introduced something called categorical eligibility in which you could get school lunch or if you're on school lunch, you qualify for EBT benefits or if you're if you eligible for one benefit, then you became eligible for all the benefits, right? Right. And the reason for that, as we've discussed, is because at the end of the day, like while some, I mean, someone's making money off of selling this food to the government. Right. And we've had run-ins with uh, some of the corporate beneficiaries, okay, the soda companies yeah. that um, sell lots of their product to people who can now get government money to buy this product. Yeah. And let's, let's be clear to what you're saying here. Food stamp program, which is a nutrition program, yep. because of lobbying, uh, allows the federal government allows nutrition program dollars to be used to buy soda and all these other items that are clearly not nutritious. And the reason is the soda companies lobbied aggressively for the federal government to do it. So the question there is, is that really there to benefit the recipients or is this food program in partly being run to benefit large corporations? You call them the soda lobby. I call them big pop. (laughs) (laughs) Big pop. If you're from the West Coast, you know exactly what that means. But I think, no, that's exactly right. I mean, the point is who's incentivized to scale it down, right? Because if you you want to commit fraud, then you love the idea of it being big and there's, it's easy to get in there. If you're one of the companies that benefits from people having more money to buy your product, you have no problem with it. Right. Uh, if you're the government, then you actually get incentives for doling out more money. Hey, look, right. like we're going to throw ourselves a party. We signed up thousands more people. Like we're clearly doing our job well. And it's actually only, and I, you know, we talked about when I went and spoke to a group of Minnesota welfare fraud investigators back in May, right. um, like they get so frustrated because they feel totally isolated that no, they get no support whatsoever when they're out there like, no, this is fraudulent. This is fraudulent. And the way that the federal government has set up incentives, states actually are penalized for right. having higher error rates. Right. Right. And they get cash bonuses for having low error rates. So, so what does that what does that suggest that they will then do? Yeah. No, exactly. And 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 it reminds me of, you know, in, in pretty much every cop show you've ever seen, when a guy shows up from internal affairs, everybody's like, oh, we hate the guy. We don't that's what these fraud investigators are like because these gov- people running these government programs don't want their fraud investigators to reveal the corruption and uh, the inefficiency and the waste that's taking place because it makes everybody look bad. And then it becomes a question for me. And this, you know, we talked about some election stuff before. And one, one of the things that happened in, and I think they're similar in this sense. So, pandemic happens. Mark Zuckerberg gives all this money, and a lot of the local government agencies use it. Some of it for equipment and things to make casting ballots safer but a lot of it was for community outreach stuff and it's like how much should you have to convince somebody to go vote right? as opposed to if you want to vote vote right yeah. like do i should we be paying the government to like actively recruit right. you to do a thing that should conceptually be in your best interest and i look right. at it the same way here should we be spending a lot of money trying to recruit people to sign up for free food right because it seems like if you really need the free food i mean it's one hey this is how you do it but the out the outreach stuff right right because the more outreach you do then the bigger your rosters become and the more rosters you get then the higher likelihood for fraud becomes no that you're exactly right and if you look at what the federal government is doing we reported on this before but 
you know, to introduce the audience to two characters, yeah. Power Panther and Sammy Soil, who, by the way, to me, has to be the best, uh, the best superhero name ever, Sammy Soil. And these are actually characters created by the federal government. By the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Yeah, to encourage kids to think that getting public assistance is cool. Now, don't get me wrong. I, if, if somebody has a legitimate need, you don't want them to be so embarrassed that they're starving. On the other hand, you don't want to make being on the public dole cool and exciting and hip. And that's what the federal government's doing. They're spending money doing this. And your analogy is a very good one. Do you really want to push and pressure and encourage people to vote who do not have a freaking idea of even who the candidates are? Do you really want people who don't feel like they're hungry or don't feel like they're starving, feel like, no, you really need this public assistance program kind of pushing it on them? And that's the state that we've got in today. And that's one of the reasons we have so much of this fraud and abuse that's taking place. And oh, by the way, a person that would say you absolutely need to do this outreach on behalf of these underserved communities is Amy Bach, who, <laughs> who ran ran the Feed in Our Future program and who right. you know is uh, now facing significant uh, prison time. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's an enormous problem. Nobody's minding the store. It's the classic example where politicians, when there is a crisis, and again, the pandemic crisis erupted, they want to throw dollars at it. The 2008 financial crisis, the pandemic. And the problem is, is once the crisis is gone, the crisis, I'll put that in quotation marks, programs and incentives and federal dollars don't go away. It becomes part of a permanent crisis. So my prediction is we're not going to see a lot of change in these food assistance programs, even though the unemployment rate is incredibly low. There's all kinds of job openings. Uh, people just aren't incentivized to do it. And these kinds of programs don't encourage people to work. Well, that's why when you don't take claims of fraud and abuse seriously, it has a real cost later. So talk, talking about the food stamp program, we talked about this tension between what the states claim or the real error rates and what the federal government claim is the error rates. The states are like, no, like, come on, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's, when you throw hundreds of millions of dollars, you're going to have a significant error rate, especially as you noted, when you saw a big time ramp up in terms of the participation. And, but the federal government's like, no, no, the food stamp program actually has the best run program <laughs> of all. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Social security might have an error rate of 12%. Right. School lunch has got an error rate of, you know, eight percent but food stamps one percent right it's it's the best yeah you know all those bodegas and all those (laughs) places the you know these little gas stations no we trust those guys those guys are you know filling out the ledger and dotting i's and crossing t's and that's yeah until you have a bust like 250 million dollars worth of fraud in just dang minnesota right exactly and but but the the ingredients are the same you've got these ethnic communities and look it's actually when i was at this conference in minnesota i saw a a law enforcement guy present on because one of the things we raised in the 2018 report is that the money a lot of times in these ethnic communities i mean one of two things can happen the amount of money we have access to in the United States is so much greater than that these people have access to in their home countries, right? right? So on some of like, hey, I, I'm being a good steward by taking as much money as I can get in the United States. And yeah, I'm supposed to spend it on food, but I'm actually going to just take the cash. I'm going to send it back to my family right. in this other or country. I'm going to sell my EBT card and send yeah. it back to a family or And, and some of that stuff is understandable, people. but then we've also documented that some of the money ends up going to terrorist organizations, exactly. right? And or subsidizing lifestyle of people that commit terror here. Uh, the people that committed the 
Boston Marathon bombing where living on food stamps that their lifestyles have been subsidized. There's lots of other examples that we have in this 2018 report. But so the fraud can go to fund terrorists. But I think the difference here is that like this is not people in Minnesota. And this is why this case is so galling. This is not Somali refugees sending money back to feed people in Somalia or Ethiopia. Right. This is people that work for these feeding programs getting cash kickbacks and getting feted at wedding celebrations with gold laden carts right <laughs> in the name of serving right. underserved populations that's exactly right and you know just to your point about terrorism we documented this in the report in north carolina there were two men uh, who committed food stamp fraud they took the proceeds uh, and sent it to people known to link to terrorist activity in yemen including al-qaeda uh, on the arabian peninsula in grand rapids michigan to somali store owners of uh, brothers were found guilty of food stamp fraud uh, and they were shipping and transferring the money to middle east and african sources that were deemed to be linked to terrorism so if you're listening to this and you say, I don't care, the federal government always wastes money, I don't care, you should care because your tax dollars under the guise of feeding hungry people is actually ending up arming our enemies, people that are going to try to blow us up or blow up our servicemen and women overseas. So you should care for that le reason alone. So let's just get to the final thought here. You know, we're not saying that that there's not a need for assistance programs. We're not saying that there aren't nonprofit groups out there that are, that are doing good work. We're just saying don't accept it at face value and recognize that this is a system with huge problems with all the wrong incentives uh, and that there are people that are claiming claiming to help people in need that are actually profiting handsomely in a fraudulent way off of this activity. No, that's absolutely right. Uh, it does make me wonder. I mean, if, if some lady that runs a uh, feeding program is getting a gold laden card at her wedding. Like, what are you going to get for your daughter? You know, <laughs> it's kind of, we, the just raised, on. we just raised the stakes. That's right. That's right. You run a nonprofit too, dad. <laughs> <laughs> this lady in Minnesota pulled this off. How come you can't do the same Should we thing? not get into the food stamp business? Yeah. Well, there's, there's a, a school of economic thought called public choice theory. Uh, and basically, and we've talked about this many times, but basically what that theory holds is people that are in business or on Wall Street, people that work for NGOs, people that work for the federal government, there are different temperaments, there are different degrees to what they do, but everybody ultimately has an interest in their own self-well-being. And the point of public choice theory is to simply say, you've got to look at government programs and government bureaucrats, and you've got to look at people that run nonprofits and understand that they respond to incentives. They're interested in some of the same things that people on Wall Street. Uh, and it seems like this case in Minnesota is an example that that is the case. Uh, that individuals, I bet they went into this NGO thinking, I'm going to do good things for good people. And it appears that they end ended up uh, justifying and convincing themselves that they deserved this money more than the poor children that they claimed that they were feeding. Uh, that's the kind of self-deception that everybody is capable of. And that's why we need to have watchdogs watching the government, these NGOs and the private sector to make sure this corruption doesn't take place. No, I think that's absolutely right. And that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast, right? It's just because this is a story. It's a massive story. It's the biggest example of COVID fraud since COVID happened. And it hasn't been anywhere in the 
the national news. Yeah, it's remarkable. Well, we do that a lot. We give you the news and information that you're not going to hear anywhere else. Sometimes it involves uh, government officials at the highest levels of, of politics in Washington. Sometimes it involves people that are running nonprofits in Minneapolis, Minnesota that are emblematic of this larger scale problem that we have in the country. We appreciate you joining us and taking the time always to listen to this podcast. You can find other podcasts and articles about what we do at thedrilldown.com. Thank you so much for joining us. 